I'm Joe. I get to work with the students and our adult groups, uh, and I'm just blessed to be a part of uh, what's going on this morning. Um, let's start here. You know, I, I love a good origin story. Who, who loves a, a good origin story? Raise your hand if I, you like a good origin story. Okay, good, good, good. One, one of my favorite um, movies of all time was probably... Uh, Star Wars A New Hope, right? It happened back in the 70s. George Lucas wrote it, and, and it had a, a trilogy there, and you, you found out about you know Luke Skywalker, right? And uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and all that. But then, like 20-something years later, right? Uh, uh, May 1999, we have The Phantom Menace, and that next trilogy comes out, and we actually find out about where all these dudes came from. We found out where Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia came from. Right, and we found out how Obi Wan Kenobi become a, became a desert uh, hermit. Right, uh, we found out where Darth Vader, how he became a villain, right? the bad guy. We we found out about C three PO and R two D two. An origin story was it was so much fun to kind of fill in the gaps, right? Because uh, uh, Star Wars was just part of my my upbringing. It was one of the things I, I grew up on. Any Xers and Boomers actually see it in the theater? Xers and Boomers, yeah, you saw it. Good on you. Okay, so any uh, millennials and Gen Zers, uh, since then you've actually picked it up and, and, and found it and watched it. Any, any of you guys? Oh, some of you. Okay, some of you are cool. Some of you are cool. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Yeah. So here we are, 2,000 years after our origin story, right? Um, and our origin story begins in the book of Acts. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Last week, Pastor Matt kicked off our uh, short series on Acts by preaching through the first eight verses. So I've got 30 minutes to get the rest. All right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It won't, won't take that long. Uh, so we, uh, we are going to be in Acts today. But next week, uh, as Pastor Matt was talking about just a minute ago, Pastor St or Stuart, our, our new lead pastor, is going to be preaching. And, and there's really a cool connection about what we've been doing in our preaching here at Fort Carolina and what he's going to be doing here starting next week. Uh, we're going to be next week starting with Pastor Stewart in the book of Colossians, all right? The book of Colossians. So if, if you've not read Colossians before, I'm going to encourage you to do something this week to get ready for next week, all right? I'm going to encourage you to read the short little book of Colossians, all right? Go to the Bible, read it. It's only like four chapters long, and I'm going to encourage you to read it a couple times, especially as we go through the sermon series. You can't really rely on just an, a half an hour a week of Bible teaching to really just kind of get it to, to kind of get into your soul, right, and really get into your mind. You really need to marinate in the Scriptures. You need to kind of meditate on the Scriptures. I'd encourage you throughout that series, read it. Read it over and over again and allow it to begin to take hold in your mind and your heart. I think it'll be good for you. Hey, and if you don't have a translation that you like to read at home, there's always the YouVersion app. If you don't have the YouVersion app, it's wonderful. It's awesome. It's got all sorts of translations as well as the paraphrases. Difference between there is the translations takes the original languages and it actually takes those words and gives you uh, a, a, a look at what they actually were saying. The paraphrase is one guy's idea of what it was saying. It helps to fill out some of the gaps that maybe you get when you're reading King James or something that's like, I don't get it. So, But the YouVersion Bible app is fantastic because also one of the things you can do is you can listen to the scriptures be read to you. Like you're driving along. I know you guys have commutes and you plug it in, you, you listen, Bluetooth or whatever, and you're listening to the scriptures as you're driving along. Great idea to get in the word when you maybe don't have time 
for it at another time. So I want to encourage you, get into Colossians and, and kind of stay with what Pastor Stewart's going to be leading us through over the next couple of months because we're going to do a deep dive in Colossians over the next couple of months. So I hope that you are ready uh, to go. Show up next week, all ready to go for Pastor Stewart. All right, and so last week we, we started a, a series called Reflections and Acts, Questions for a New uh, Day. And Pastor Matt helped us look at some personal uh, individual questions that we might have. Questions like, who am I? Do I belong? And what's my purpose? These are the huge existential questions that a lot of people ask, and especially young people ask. The next generations, teenagers ask these questions. And I hope you've been doing some things where, with those notes that Pastor Matt had provided last week, that you kind of dove into that. And he used those notes to help you grow in that understanding of those kinds of questions and that you had those answers. And I hope they've been helpful for you during your personal prayer time and devotion time during the week. Again, 30 minutes on Sunday morning is not enough to keep that walk with Christ vital. You need it every day of the week. You need to do that personally. You can do it. You can. You can. All right. Okay. So um, let's see. This week, I want to address some other questions. We're still talking about questions. And our question this week that we're going to talk about is about our origin story. Where did we come from as a church? And I, I, think, I think we ask ourselves, well, why is that really important? Why is our origin story really important? If you think about it, you hear about it all the time. Kids who are adopted, right? They grow up, maybe they know they're adopted, maybe they don't, maybe, they, maybe it's a, something that's, that's brought to their attention later on. What do a lot of them want to do once they figure that out or once they're able to as an adult? They want to find out where they came from. It's kind of a natural thing to find out where you came from. So we're going to talk about that origin story. And, and why it's important is I believe this. And, and if you wanted to, to kind of boil everything down that I'm going to talk about today, it could come down to this, is that our origin helps determine our course. Okay? Or, or another way to put it was our, our roots, like the root of a tree, the, our roots kind of help determine the fruit. Right? Uh, knowing the beginning helps see the ending. Starting in the right place helps us clearly see where we should be heading. And as a church, knowing where we come from helps us know where we're supposed to be going. So where do we come from and where do we go from here? Those are the two questions we're going to tackle today. Where do we come from and where do we go from here? All right. So the, the scripture that Pastor Matt had shared last week, that one verse... Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is really the crux of the whole book of Acts. So if you read that verse, you kind of see how the book of Acts is built. All right? So I'm going to read it, and it'll help us jump into today's uh, talk as well. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in, and pay attention to the geographical locations that he talks about here, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's kind of where we're going to hang the talk today. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right, so let's look at that. Let's look a little more carefully at those particular movements, those three movements, kind of like a trilogy. Uh, okay, so the first part of this trilogy we're going to call what? Guess what? Yeah, it's called a new hope, right? Okay, so anyway, there you go. You see where I'm going here? Yeah, I got a million of them. Right, okay, so, uh, so it's the initiation of the church, right? Uh, so um, what we have in the initiation of the church is we have the promise from Jesus that you'll receive power, right? So what do they do after that? 
So uh, they, they gather together to pray. The, the 12 disciples, well, excuse me, 11 disciples, they gather one more in. So they actually, Matthias they, makes 12. And then there's other, other people. And I'm going to read a, a, kind of a, a description of it in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So Jesus' family had actually said, Hey, Jesus is the Messiah. They saw him. He was raised. And they gathered with the disciples. And it says there was about 120 of them gathering to pray. And they were all in one accord. Okay, so then in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, just a little bit beyond that, we see, and suddenly, after they've been praying, they've been fasting, they've been waiting, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house and they were, uh, where they were sitting, verse 3, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utter word. Uh, utterance. And so as they're speaking uh, in other tongues, and, and you might be thinking, well, why did they have to speak in other tongues? Well, what had happened is what's going on there in Jerusalem right there is the Feast of Weeks. And so there are Jewish people from all over the place, and they're coming in, and they, it's actually called uh, the, the Jewish uh, uh, Feast of Weeks and P Pentecost. Like we call it Pentecost, they called it Pentecost too, because it's seven Sabbaths, 49 days plus one, seven Sabbaths from the other Passover. That's the weekend that Jesus died. All right, you with me? Jesus died, buried, rose again on the weekend of the Passover. Everybody gathered up then. Then seven Sabbaths later, on Pentecost, 50 days later, they gathered again, and this happened. All right, the, the day of Pentecost. So there was Pentecost Sunday. So they, this, this happened. And then Peter, uh, well, the, the people are like, what's going on? All these people from all over the place speaking in other tongues. God gave them utterance through the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues to, so that others could understand what was being said. And what were they saying? They were declaring the mighty works of God. How do we know that? Well, the people are like, these people are acting really weird, and we're hearing them declare the mighty works of God. Oh, they must be drunk, is what they said. It's like, okay. So Peter responds to that. Peter stands up, and he says, uh, no, they're not drunk. Here's what has happened. And he talked about the fulfillment of Scripture from Joel and all through that. And he ends up with this. He says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Because they were reacting. It's like, what do we do? What do we do now that we know the truth? He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and all who are far off, for everyone, uh, everyone for whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And so what we see is we see this type of church in this first movement being developed. And there's one more passage I want to read before we finish this first movement. And I'm going to give you some descriptors of what this church looked, what the origin of the church looked like in this first movement. So last scripture for movement number one I'm going to read is in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And you'll probably be very familiar with this. Okay, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Who is they? The disciples, those 120, plus the 3,000 that responded to Peter's message in faith and obedience and repentance. All right? So 3,120 people, probably more, because, you know, people were coming to Christ. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. 
And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds, proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Wow! So what was this church like in the first movement? They were a, a praying, a repentant, a spirit-empowered, preaching, sharing, close-knit group of people. That's our origin story in the New Hope, in Jerusalem, as they were all gathered. A praying, repentant, spirit-empowered, preaching, sharing, close-knit group, close group of people. Okay, so that's what happened in, in Jerusalem. Amazing. Spectacular. So let's look at Acts chapter 7 and 8, which is the next movement of the origin story. So the second movement of Jesus' commission talks about um, Judea and Samaria. And it comes as a result of the death of Stephen and persecution that arose because of his, uh, uh, from his execution. We're going to call this the Sanhedrin Strikes Back, right? All right. Okay, so there's this movement of Jesus, all right, right? And then the Jewish establishment are saying, no, no, we don't want this. And so they come back and they hit hard, right? Just like the empire and the first or truly two. There you go. So, yeah, and, yeah, just stay with me. Okay, here we go. So what we have is in, uh, in the story of the church, we have this situation where all these people are having needs, you know, the, the Jewish widows, the Hellenistic widows. And so what happens is, is they decide to get these guys together called deacons. And these guys are filled with the Spirit, and they can preach. They're, they're awesome guys, okay? So Stephen is one of them, all right? And so Stephen, what he does is he steps up to actually defend the faith to some of the Jewish guys that are, that are standing around, and they pull him into the Sanhedrin, and they, it's like, what have you got to say for yourself? What is going on? And Stephen, he preaches this amazing message. All right? And the Sanhedrin are listening to him. And so what does he say at the end of his message? Here's his, here's his call, right? Here's, here's his invitation. <laughs> Listen to this. 750, Acts chapter 751. This is hilarious. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So he's bringing it, man. He's bringing it really hard. He's stepping on some toes. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Wow, he's really coming in hard. Okay, so you received the law as delivered by angels, and you did not keep it. So in obedience to the Holy Spirit of God, Stephen preaches his heart out, and he brings it hard. And what do they do? says they ground their teeth at him. Mm. Have you ever done that before in reaction to, like, I'm thinking, like, you're seeing something on the news and you're like, mm. you know, that sort of thing is going on. Or, 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 um, you're watching your sports team and the other team is winning and you're like, Ugh. I, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I can't really relate to that because the Gators did make it into the College World Series. So, right, there you go. All right, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. So, hey, uh, just uh, it's who I am. So, but if they wouldn't have made it, I would have ground my teeth. So, anyway, so you know what I'm talking about. You grind your teeth. So they were upset. And then Stephen relates that he's seeing a vision in that moment. 
he says he sees this vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. The right hand of the Father. So, uh, sorry, it's really crazy being up here looking at all you guys. So, but uh, he's standing at the right hand of the Father, and uh, that was it. That, that tore it for them. They were like, we can't listen to this. They cover their ears, they grab him and drag him outside, and they brutally murder him with stones. They throw stones at him and kill him. It's just terrible what they do. The, uh, they knew that he had crossed the line. They knew that he had blasphemed at that, at that time. In their hearts, they knew that, that he, they were saying Jesus is on, on equal with God because he was at the right hand of the Father, and they couldn't take it anymore, so they violently killed him. They stoned him. And then right after that, we hear about Saul, and Saul approved of that. He saw what happened. He's like, yeah, that's right. And then we see, and there arose in Acts chapter 1, I mean, Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 4, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of, listen, Judea and Samaria. You remember Acts 1-8? Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. They were scattered throughout the regions of Judea. They had clustered. Persecution broke out. They scattered through Jerusalem and Judea. See how that works? Yeah, okay. So, um, and so... What happens is this persecution, uh, and so devout men, devout men buried Stephen and great, made great lamentation over him. They, they were broken that their brother had been killed. They knew he was in heaven, but oh man, he was such a godly man, a loved man, and they, they cried over him. They made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entered the house after house after house and dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So instead of repentance, when Stephen preached, like we heard when, when Peter preached back in Acts chapter 2, there was repentance. Oh, man, what do we do? When Stephen preached, violence, resistance. But the gospel message still, still grew. Even though it wasn't all positive and rosy, the persecution resulted in growth of the church. And Jesus kept his promise that he said in Matthew 16, 18. He said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Will not. No matter what. No matter if it's good. No matter if it's bad. The church will grow. The followers of Jesus ran from persecution. They shared the good news of Jesus as they dispersed. The gospel is preached and received by Jews and Gentiles alike. So the church grew. So what do we see from this movement? We see we come from a persecuted, dispersed, but determined group of people. Even in the face of violence, they never gave up. Never gave up. Now the third movement of Jesus' commission is the end of the earth. Everywhere. And I called this movement, and I, it was harder to come up with one than this. The call of the missionary. You know, the return of the Jedi, the call of the missionary. Eh. If you've got something better, you can text me, and we'll <laughs> use it in the next message, all right? Okay, so uh, Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3, we're skipping ahead. Saul has come to faith in Christ, the guy who was killing Christians. He's come to faith in Christ. And here we see this third movement begin. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch, not in Jerusalem, but out, on the outskirts, there was a church in Antioch, and there were prophets and teachers. They were gathering together. Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, 
Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Okay, so this is interesting. There's such a diversity. Well, you can see some diversity. You've got the Jewish Sanhedrin representative, which is Paul, I mean Saul. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He approved of their killing of Stephen, but he's part of the Christian group. But you've also got Menaean, lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. That was, he had political connections. This, this was a guy who was high up in, he was rubbing elbows with the, the, the puppet king, Herod the Tetrarch. So there was, there's such a diversity of people in this group. And so what does it say they were doing? They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Right? The same thing we were doing in, in the origin of the church. They were continuing that pattern, worshiping the Lord and fasting and praying. Right? They held on to their roots. And the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, again, there you go, all this fasting and praying. These guys were so close to the movement of Jesus and, and to the beginning. You'd think they'd be like, well, okay, this is what we do. Okay, we know that. Okay, they're supposed to go. Good. So, no, they fasted and they prayed. Everything was built on that. We'll, we'll hit that more in the application. Okay, so, so what happens is after they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Paul and Barnabas, excuse me, Saul and Barnabas at this point, his name has not been changed, sent out to spread the gospel to G, to, of, all, of Jesus to all who would listen and receive, to those who had never heard the gospel, sharing spiritual and material blessings along the way. That you, you hear that. If you read closely, you see that that's what's going on in Saul's ministry. In Romans chapter 15, verse 20, Saul is speaking to the Romans. He's never been to their church. He's speaking to the Romans. He's, he's um, um, writing this. He says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. Not where Christ has already been named. Lest I build on someone else's foundation. It's, it's not that he was like, uh, uh, he was like being weird or, or quirky or anything. He's like, the word needs to go to people who have never heard the name of Jesus. That was his priority. That was his calling. And he needed to do that. He was called to do that. And then he says on top of that, down in verse 24, he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go through Spain. So he's, he's talking about the, the, the frontier, the next area that he needs to go to to preach the gospel where no one has heard about Jesus. And Rome, the city of Rome, the church of Rome, he wants them to uh, send him on his way. So as I go, passing, as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, so as I go through Rome, you send me along and you help me go on it. You're going to be a stopping off point. And once I have joined, enjoyed your company for a while, we rub elbows, pray together, hang out together for a little bit. Um, at present, how, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. If you read about Saul's ministry, Paul's ministry, eventually, whenever he's writing to all of the churches, whether it's Philippians, or the, the, um, the Corinthian church, he talks about gathering gifts, gathering offerings, not for himself. He's gathering offerings for, for people who are in need. People who are in dire need, where there's famine, there's persecution, and the church is struggling. People losing their jobs as a result of coming to Christ, families breaking up and losing that support that they would have. So he's talking about not only sharing the gospel, but sharing physical help, material help with those who are in need. This third movement tells me we come from a group of people that are adventurous, they are bold and compassionate. Adventurous, bold, and compassionate. So I'm, let's, let's do a little application here. Let's take those three movements and let's talk about how they can apply to our lives today. Let's do that. In the first movement of our origin story, we have a praying, preaching, sharing, close-knit sort of people. 
All right? In the second movement, we have a persecuted, dispersed, and determined group of people. In our third movement, we have an adventurous, bold, compassionate sort of people. So where do we go from here? We've seen where we come from. Where do we go from here? What's next? I say we take part, uh, take part of what we've learned from the actions of the first church, all right? And then we uh, make them part of our everyday existence. Take some of what we see there, because not all of it's necessarily transferable. Probably not going to have tongues of fire land on our heads. Probably not, all right? But, but a lot of it is transferable, all right? So let's talk about that. Number one, I'm gonna, let's talk about praying together. Let's talk about praying together. That was a, a huge theme of what we saw in the early church. So what do we pray together about? Let's look at the early church. What did they pray about? They prayed about what Jesus said to them. Right? He had just given them a commission. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. All right? And so what did they pray about? They were praying for the Holy Spirit's power to come upon them. God, send your power. Let us be your witnesses. That's what they prayed about. They wanted to do what God had already told them to do. And so they're praying for the power and empowerment to do that. When we pray, we should expect that. Now, did it happen immediately? No, they had to wait and pray. They did. They waited. But did it happen? Yes. Did it happen like they thought it would? No. They thought in their minds there was going to be some sort of political thing going on. They're going to take over and uh, shove out the uh, Roman Empire and, and they're going to have their kingdom here on earth. But no, it came a different way. Sometimes we pray and we don't pray in accordance with God's plan. Okay, And sometimes God works things out in ways that we don't expect. When we pray according to God's will and according to His Word, trusting His Spirit for the power to accomplish what He has to do for us. When we pray, we pray according to God's will. We pray according to his word, trusting his spirit for the power to accomplish what he has for us to do. So praying, praying and fasting is the place we need to start. Determined. Determined. That was a determined group of people. That it was us against the world, in fact, a determined group of people. Even in the face of setbacks, the death of Stephen broke their hearts. The changes that they experienced in their life through that. The difficulty, the imprisonment. The book of Colossians that we're going to be studying, Paul wrote that from prison to encourage the church. Determined. Imprisonment, difficulty, death, setbacks. The church continued to share the gospel even when it was difficult. But the church grew. And we must never give up. Ever. Adventurous. When, when the call came out from among the, uh, from those who took among the church, those who were called went. Those who were called went. Saul and Barnabas were clearly called by God to go. You may be called by God to go. You may be called by God to go. And what does that look like? Well, maybe you're called to stand up and preach. Maybe God has placed that calling on your life. Maybe you've pushed it aside, but it's there. You need to teach. You need to preach. God's put that calling on your life, and you need to respond. Maybe you're called to serve as a missionary, to go where the word has not been preached. 
where no one has heard the name of Jesus in their language. The Bible says that every tribe, tongue, and language will be represented in the kingdom. There are still unreached, unengaged people groups in our world today. It seems crazy after 2,000 years of the church, but there are still people who have never heard the, the story of the gospel. You may be called to take the word to a place where the name of Jesus has never been heard. Maybe you're called to something else. Whatever it is, we as a church want to encourage you to pray for and equip you to fulfill that calling. But we, I'd like for us to start that with a conversation. And that conversation, I think, should begin today. If you're remembering a calling that God has placed on your life, that you need to fulfill, and you've maybe pushed it aside or said delay or whatever, maybe you need to speak with someone right now about that. And I would encourage, Matt's back in the next steps area right now, waiting to start a conversation with you. If you are called, I would encourage you to go right now and start that conversation with him. And he can begin to talk with you about what it is that we can do next. Maybe it's going back to, let's pray, let's fast, Let's seek the Lord. What does it look like in your life? What is the calling that God has placed on your life? Don't be afraid. Bold, adventurous people are those who follow Jesus. Those determined, bold, adventurous people. So go, talk to Matt. He's waiting back there for you to talk to him. We want you to experience all that God has for you here or around the world. Right now, just get up and go. You won't bother me. Compassionate. Compassionate. Give time and resources to the orphan and to the widow. Open your heart to the poor. Ask God to break your heart for the displaced refugee and act in obedience. As Paul spread the gospel and started churches, he also collected money for the needy. That's part of who we are. That's part of where we came from. It's part of what we must do and what we must be. He did both, not one or the other. He did both. Now, I want you to dream with me for just a little bit, all right? Just, just think about what it would look like if we began to get in touch with where we came from so we could determine where we go from here. What would it look like if we had small groups gathering weekly, maybe, praying for a movement of God in our church, in our community, in our world? Would God honor that prayer? I believe he would. I think he would. I think that's his will. What does it take for that to happen? What does it take for men and women and teenagers and families and couples to carve out time in their lives to pray together for a movement of God among us? It takes you and me willing to put aside other stuff to carve out time for the stuff that really matters as believers in Jesus. When this is happening in your life and in my life, let, let, let's dream, let's, let's, let's envision it. What goes away? What's missing? What begins to happen in your life and mine? What happens in our life, of our church, and our community, and our families, when you and I really pray together for the Spirit to, of God to break out and make an impact? I'm going to let you answer that in your own mind. What happens? Think about it. Dream about it. Think about what happened in the early church. Think about what God can do now. Now keep dreaming with me. What would it be like if this week those who were called out to speak for God, to witness on His behalf, truly began to be bold about it? 
If we began to declare the mighty works of God, what God has done in my life, what God has done in our church, what God has done in the world around us that we see in his great creation, would lives be changed? Would people respond to the gospel with faith and repentance? Would thousands be added to the church? Maybe. Maybe not. But be sure of this, that more would be added to the church than what is happening right now. More would be added with boldness in our hearts to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who don't know him. Many more would respond. If we would just be, me and you, would just be obedient to be bold and share his word. Last thing, let's dream about what would it look like if we actually began to be compassionate, if that actually began to fill our hearts. What marked the early movement of Christianity? Self-sacrificing compassion of the early Christians. They loved one another, and they loved the most vulnerable. They loved the unlovable, their enemies. They loved their enemies. Jesus said that. They touched the the untouchables, the diseased and the dying. They reached out to the outcasts, the orphans, and the strangers, and the immigrant. What would happen if today Jesus broke your heart and mine for those who are hurting in our world? What would happen? What would it look like? And not because they deserve it, but because God loves them. Not because they deserve it, because God loves them. Can we do that? Can we? Pray with me. God, we've seen where we came from. (laughs) And what a blessing to to see that, the testimony of your word spreading from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the the earth. And Lord, we thank you that at the end of Acts, it just is kind of like a dot, dot, dot right there. and, and, And it's like it continues. And it does. It continues to this day. But God, sometimes we get away from our roots. So we don't see the fruit. God, help us to get back to that, to get back to understanding where we came from and how that determines where we go from here. I thank you that your word is faithful, that your word is true, and that your spirit empowers us to do what you've called us to do. Help us to give the time that we need to truly seek your heart through knowing your word and through prayer, and then to be obedient in response to what we hear you calling us to do. God, that's our challenge today that we'd be obedient to what you've called us to do. Because I believe even now you've been speaking to the hearts and lives of those who are listening here in the room or those online. I pray that we would each one be obedient to you, recognizing that you have a call on each one of our lives. And then you have a calling on our church. God, as we step into a new new time for Fort Caroline Baptist Church, that you would just guide us. Help us to see your vision for what you have for us in this church in this community, in our world. We pray all of this in the strong and precious name of Jesus. Amen.